This week on the Bioneers, Revolution from the Heart of Nature. Katrina taught us two very difficult lessons. Something is going on with our climate and the people who are the most disenfranchised will have the most trouble recovering. We're going to have to balance these two realities. Fire in the Belly, Women Leaders in Environmental and Climate Justice on the Bioneers. Support for the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is provided in part by Organic Valley Family of Farms, funding also provided by a grant from the Park Foundation and by the generous support of listeners like you. They say that behind every great man is a woman rolling her eyes. In this era of the ascendancy of leadership by women, a large sector where women overwhelmingly lead gets overlooked. We seldom hear the powerful stories of the visionary women who largely carry the social sector, working for the common good, where they often lead social movements. Seven out of ten working in the nonprofit social sector are women. Their often unglamorous work takes place at the ground truth of social change. They're protecting and restoring the web of life. They're weaving the fabric of human relationships that sustain the world. These women, who are the backbone of social movements, are diverse in all ways. Yet as women or women of color, they're nearly invisible to a highly masculinized, corporatized, and racialized mainstream culture. Their approach as women leaders is quite different. They start by valuing and weaving webs of relationships. They may listen more than they speak. They invite participation, collaboration, and teamwork. Their leadership arises in, from, and with community. They take the long view for future generations. They lead from the heart. In this half hour, we visit with three remarkable and diverse women leading social movements for the common good. This is Fire in the Belly, Women Leading Social Change, with changemakers Penny Opal Plant, Colette Pichon Battle, and Adriana Quintero. My name is Neil Harvey. I'll be your host. Welcome to the Bioneers, revolution from the heart of nature. In Richmond in 2012, August 6th, Chevron exploded and sent 15,000 of my neighbors to the hospital. And my husband and my family and I, we look at Chevron every single day from our house. And when it exploded, I did something I've never done before. I panicked, and I'm not a person that panics. Penny Opal Plant was born in the shadow of the Chevron Refinery in Richmond, California, where her family has lived since the 1930s. Beginning in the 1980s as an anti-nuclear activist, she has emerged as a community leader in the environmental justice movement to defend against the deadly mix of toxic environments, poverty, racism, and a deficit of political power. Up close and personal, She's witnessed how corporate oil giants violate safety standards at their facilities in the Bay Area and cause serious harms to her vulnerable community and others. Penny Opal Plant spoke at a Bioneers conference. And I ran into the middle of the street, 
and I was yelling for people to close their doors and windows because Chevron exploded. And I started taking pictures of the big black cloud, and I started tweeting them out and Facebooking them out because the sirens hadn't gone off yet in Richmond. We have sirens there that go off every Wednesday at 11 o'clock. And I'm really grateful that that was my initial response because there were people that actually were able in Richmond and San Pablo in that area to get their kids in the house because they saw my tweets and Facebook stuff that I was pushing out. We were already on high alert about the fossil fuel industry, about Chevron poisoning our community and the other four refineries along the Northeast Bay when Idle No More rolled out. As a woman of Yaqui, Mexican, Choctaw, Cherokee, and European ancestry, Penny Opal Plant resonated deeply with Idle No More, a social and climate justice movement led by indigenous peoples. It was founded in 2012 in Canada by four women to stop fossil fuel development on native lands and uphold indigenous political sovereignty. It rapidly grew into a mass movement and went global. Idle No More inspired her with its innovative tactics and its leadership largely by Native women. Penny Opal Plant helped found a local chapter and connected it to the environmental justice movement in Richmond. A circle of indigenous grandmothers held the center. Taking a page from the Idle No More playbook, she and others organized a series of healing walks through the 47-mile corridor that holds five refineries, including Shell, Tesoro, Bolero, and Conoco Phillips. And when we first started organizing these walks, there were so many people that didn't realize that there were this many refineries in the Bay Area. And so they've been very successful on so many levels. We do prayers for the water. There's a water ceremony when we start out. We walk with the water through the whole way. They're led by Native American people in prayer with one or two sacred staffs. The people right behind us are in quiet contemplation, and the people right behind them are in quiet conversation. It has been so rewarding to me personally to see non-Indigenous people have the direct experience of how we're all related and everything is connected when the butterflies come and fly with us, when the ground squirrels came out and walked with us for a couple of blocks, when we had the condor feather with us the first time, there were vultures that were flying with us the entire way from Rodeo to Richmond. You know, I'm, I'm dense sometimes. It took me a while. I kept praying about it and asking, you know, for information about the vultures. And then it came to me, well, yeah, they're the closest bird that we have in this area related to the condors. They're the little siblings of the condors. And so to have people that haven't had those direct experiences have those on this walk has been one of the most beautiful things for me. The other part of the walks that are really important to all of us is that about a mile before the end, we invite them to make panels. And these are all being sewn into quilts. We invite everybody to start imagining their communities beyond fossil fuels which is one of the most important things we could be doing right now. Penny Opal Plant, Idle No More SF Bay, and their allies focused attention on the refinery and fossil fuel corridor that spans Martinez, Benicia, Rodeo, Richmond, and Pittsburgh, California. 
These dangers were hiding in plain sight, but conveniently out of sight because of their deliberate location in poor and underserved communities. In the spirit of the legendary labor organizer Joe Hill, her attitude was, don't mourn, organize, and educate. There was a proposal that's currently tabled about the Westpac oil terminal that they would be bringing in Bakken crude, which has been halted temporarily coming into our local refineries. And that's the crude that's exploding everywhere. If you live near railroad tracks, there's a really good possibility that bomb trains are rolling right through your communities, right next to your schools, right next to your hospitals, and they could explode at any time. And so that's a really big issue that we just need to shut that down. So that's Pittsburgh. In Richmond, we met in a park near Chevron, and I bought a bunch of those red and pink hearts And I invited all the people there to write love letters to the Chevron CEO, John Watson. And they said things like, Dear John, we would love it if you would stop poisoning our children in Richmond. The rates of asthma in these communities is so much greater than any place else in Contra Costa County where these refineries are that it's a crime. They wouldn't have these refineries in downtown San Francisco. So, yeah, it gives me a fire in my belly. It pisses me off. I got some white hair now, so I can say that. (laughs) But I'm angry about what's being done to our communities, and not just indigenous communities, but all of our human family communities where this has been allowed to happen. Katrina taught us two very difficult lessons. Something is going on with our climate and the people who are the most disenfranchised will have the most trouble recovering from what is going on with our climate. We're going to have to balance these two realities and we can't pick one over the other. We're gonna have to do them at the same time. Colette Pichon Battle lives up to her name as a warrior on the front lines of climate justice. She started out as a corporate lawyer. Then Hurricane Katrina upended her plans. She quit her job and moved back to her generational home in Slidell, Louisiana, to attend to the residents of the stricken Gulf South and her family's home. She immediately began assisting people dealing with impossibly complex government paperwork while trying to save their homes from financial predators capitalizing on the disaster. Colette Pichon Battle witnessed a perfect storm, climate disruption combining with racial and environmental injustice. And what that means is you live so close to something toxic that when that climate-based disaster came ashore and flooded, you not only got flooded with water, you got flooded with toxins. Because this is what happens when you don't have environmental justice standards met. You get like a double whammy. Okay, and then the people who are least responsible get hit and get hurt. We learned that in order for us to achieve climate justice after Katrina, we actually had to work on the rights of migrants during disaster. And migrants during disaster weren't just the Latinos who were brought over on valid visas to clean up New Orleans. We had thousands of internally displaced people in the United States. There are two federal systems at play here in the middle of a disaster. We had to figure that out. 
or else we couldn't achieve any kind of conversation around how to stop these storms from happening again and how to make the recovery more equitable. In addition to Katrina, you know, because we didn't have enough to deal with, my friend BP decided to spill some oil. And there's still oil coming up. Don't believe the commercials. I saw the commercials in California. They spent a lot of money here to make y'all think it's okay. It's not okay. What's the solution? Stop drilling. Anybody agree with that? Of course you agree with that, except like 70% of South Louisiana folks work in the oil industry. That's not actually an easy, we can't get there in an, in an easy way. We gotta work to get to that conclusion. For Colette Pichon Battle, it became clear the only way residents of the Gulf South would ever attain climate justice would be if the solutions could be found through both an ecological and racial equity lens. It comes down to values, literally. At some point, we have to recognize and acknowledge that we value people differently in this country. Depending on your race or your gender or your ability, there's a different value to you. Unfortunately, in the legal world, we have to learn this in law school. There's actually a way to value people. These race distinctions are actually codified in law, and laws and policies have been built out from them. Race remains a determinant for social, economic, political, and environmental status and access to opportunity in the United States. The race versus class argument it's class Colette. It's not race anymore. There's been change. We have a black president. It's actually not true. No matter what class you're in, if you know the race of a child in this country, you can pretty much determine where they're going to fit in the social strata, just by the virtue of their race, not by their class. If we want equity, we're going to have to challenge some of these preconceived notions. This lens from the ecological side reminds us that oppressed people often live on degraded land, near degraded water, with degraded air. It is not a coincidence that the same people who suffer social injustices live on the land that we need to protect. It is also a reminder that traditional knowledge from indigenous cultures are rooted in maintaining a balance between the earth and humans. This is what this lens tells us. And finally, it reminds us that we need the earth and that we need each other. Maintaining a balance between earth and humans. We need the earth and each other. And race matters, big time. In the U.S., the images and profiles of so-called environmentalists have historically been very white and privileged. That perception is morphing, in part because the nation is within a seismic generation of becoming a majority-minority population. What does the changing face of the environmental movement look like? Adriana Quintero sees a rising tide of brown faces. Her own direct experience as a Latina, as well as her work with Latino communities and communities of color, show her it's about to transform the political landscape irrevocably. As a senior attorney at the Natural Resources and Defense Council, Quintero has litigated a variety of environmental justice cases, and she wrote the groundbreaking 2004 report, Hidden Danger, Environmental Health Threats in the Latino Community, that reveals the dynamics of structural racism. Adriana Quintero spoke with us at a Bioneers conference. 
The impacts of pollution are truly frightening. When you look at communities like the Latino community and you have one out of every two Latinos living in an area that regularly fails to meet air quality standards, that's a crisis. When you add to that the fact that so many millions of Latinos work in agriculture, in construction, in trades that keep them outdoors and more exposed to heat, to smog, ground-level ozone pollution, you just can start to see that that's where all of these impacts begin. You have an incredibly high incidence of respiratory difficulties and problems. We look at California's drought and the heat people face in the fields is incredible. So our agricultural workforce is being bombarded from all sides. This is a community that continues to be underinsured, even for those who are worked full time. Many are in jobs that they can't simply call in and say, my my child is sick, I'm going to be late, because they'll get laid off. So it truly becomes an economic issue very quickly. It's a huge health issue. But we can't separate health and our home economics. So it's a struggle And it's something that we have to address. We have to make sure that our communities are protected. Adriana Quintero says ensuring that vulnerable communities are protected means their voices must be heard. As the saying goes, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. In other words, these values must carry into public policy, law, and governance. That's the work of Voces Verdes, the leading national Latino nonprofit coalition on climate change and clean energy that Adriana Quintero founded. Now also director of partner engagement at NRDC, she's weaving a web of relationships across diverse communities and walks of life. And startling new research is exploding the stereotype of privileged white environmentalism. I suspected, having been raised actually in Colombia for a large part of my life, that the numbers were going to be huge because culturally we all have this in our heritage. And in many countries, that heritage and that value system that values environment and nature so deeply hasn't become as politicized as it has in our country. Climate change isn't about a fight between Democrats and Republicans in most of the world. Climate change in most countries is actually a matter of survival. It's a matter of economic survival, human survival, and prosperity. It's going to define whether or not we make it as a human race. And for some people, it's at their doorstep. When we started doing our research on Latinos, we had a lot of focus groups. And what we found was a very clear explanation as to why these numbers are so high. It's because it's about family. And a lot of it is that recognition that while you may have, you know, four people who you adore who are part of your family right around the dinner table, family goes a lot further. Family extends to Abuela, who lives in El Salvador, and to our cousins who live in Colombia, and to our grandfather who lives in Mexico. And it's that recognition that Having these impacts in other countries of the world doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be able to rebuild. In fact, it means the opposite. It often means that we're going to lose it all. So it's very serious. Extraordinarily high numbers of Latinos care about climate change, air pollution, water pollution, public lands, species. When you look at African-American numbers, 
They're exactly the same. Adriana Quintero says the challenge is political. To reduce the disparity in power and influence between the forces of environmental destruction and the people who suffer most from it. We're still very much in a society where those who can afford to pay for their influence do so. What we have to do on the other side as advocates is keep bringing the game and keep bringing it to their doorstep and keep flexing our muscles and showing them that we're not going to go away quietly, that we're going to show up at a congressperson's office with the people who are most impacted, that we're going to send in those letters from the moms who have children who are suffering through these impacts, and that we're actually going to watch whether or not they're voting for our communities. If we don't have these policies in place, we know you guys aren't going to do it just out of the goodness of your heart, so we're going to hold you accountable. For me, it's exciting to see people own that voice and get in there and be willing to fight the fight because we need an army on this one. And we've been talking about the Latino sleeping giant for a number of years, and I think we're finally seeing that giant really up and walking around. As Latinos, we're learning to own our voice. It's almost like we've paid our dues and we don't have to hide in the shadows or be timid anymore. We can actually be out there and say we want this for our communities. We want this for our children. We still believe in the American dream. We know it's possible. Go do it. Adriana Quintero, Colette Pichon Battle and Penny Opal Plant know that leading social change means turning moments into movements and turning movements into systemic change. Again, Colette Pichon battle. Even to advance climate solutions, we need constitutional protections for voting rights. We need constitutional protections for birthright citizenship. We need constitutional protections for fair representation in federal and state legislatures. Or else we can't pass those policies. Those very people that we're trying to make sure are understanding and part of the solution, they're being stopped from voting. I just want you to know democracy is happening in the Gulf South. People are standing up. People are coming together. People are saying, I see you. I hear you. Let's work together. Let's figure this out. To really advance equity, the Black Lives Matter movement needs to meet the climate movement. The gender justice movement needs to meet the indigenous movement. This is how this is going to work. It will not work going one path alone. We've got to start intersecting on purpose, and I think we can do it. Penny Opal Plant. Human beings imagined all the things that are wrong. We made it up. And now it's time for us to imagine the world beyond all of the harms. That's the most exciting part of our job, I think. Our collective imagining of the future of tomorrow. It's just tomorrow. It's right there. I can taste it. I can feel it. I can see it. We can do this. So this is what we get to do. Penny Opal Plant, Colette Pichon Battle, and Adriana Quintero. Diverse women leading social change movements for the common good. Leading from the heart and from the heart of nature. This time, no one is rolling their eyes. Fire in the Belly, Women Leading Social Change. 
You can see and hear more from Penny Opal Plant and Adriana Quintero and explore more Bioneers radio programs, podcasts, and videos online at Bioneers.org. For information on attending the National Bioneers Conference and Bioneers events in your area, please visit Bioneers.org or call 1-877-BIONEER. The Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature is a production of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute. Executive producer, Kenny Osabel. Written by Kenny Osabel. Senior producer and station relations, Stephanie Welch. Host and consulting producer, Neil Harvey. Program engineer, Emily Harris. Production assistants, Tina Rubio and Melanie Choi. Interview recording engineer, Emily Harris. Our theme music is co-written by the Baca Forest People of Cameroon and Baca Beyond from the album East to West. All royalties from Baca compositions and performances go to the Baca Forest People through the charity Global Music Exchange. Find out more at globalmusicexchange.org. Additional music was made available by Sounds True at soundstrue.com, La Vitesse Music at lavitesmusic.com, and Jamie Sieber at jamiesieber.com. The opinions expressed in the Bioneers Revolution from the Heart of Nature are those of the presenters and are not necessarily those of Bioneers and Collective Heritage Institute, the underwriters, or this radio station. My name is Neil Harvey. Thank you for listening. I invite you to join the Bioneers in inspiring a shift to live on Earth in ways that honor the web of life, each other, and future generations. This is program number 0916. This program was made possible in part by Organic Valley's pasture-raised organic dairy products, bringing the good from our family farmers to your table at organicvalley.coop. Funding also provided by a grant from the Park Foundation, dedicated to heightening public awareness of critical issues, and by the generous support of listeners like you. If you love Bioneers Radio, it's free and easy to support us. Just take a moment to post a review on our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find our show online. You'll be helping other people find and enjoy these incredible thinkers and storytellers. And thank you for helping us out.